Uh, did you know that Nigel Farage is currently doing, uh, as part of as a member of European Parliament, uh, to Facebook what I do to my bank when I run out of money? Uh, he is he is saying that there surely has been some meddling because none of his videos have any views or shares. <laughs> <laughs> Why is this? Uh, there uh, must be skullduggery afoot. So he actually said to Zuckerberg that like he was the most extremely online person in Parliament, and. Therefore, he should be just as pleased to meet him as he is to meet Zuck. And Mark Zuckerberg, who famously has two expressions, uh-huh. one which is just existential dread, uh-huh. and one is existential dread, but he's the one who's caused it. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so the expression that he made was sort of like in between both. So it was just as the, if you can caricature what a blank expression was, that was Zuck's face. Uh-huh. So it was in between blank and blank was his response to Nigel Farage yelling that he's been like blocked, that he's been soft blocked. I mean, it's just like if, you know, you know, like in Windows, you have the blue screen of death. Uh-huh. It's like the blue screen of death if it was a pasty white. <laughs> it's like, no, Mr. Farage, I'm afraid I don't know why your grandpa, why your grandchildren don't reply to your messages. I feel like all of these people are getting really worked up about this shit, though. Did you see that Tommy Robinson's suing Twitter as well? He blocked me ages ago. Did he? Yeah, he oh, blocked no. me. He blocked me ages ago for reasons that I have no idea about. Yeah, so he's suing Twitter because they took down his page. Apparently, he's also suing the media, but he hasn't specified what part of the media. Just the <laughs> ill-defined <laughs> media. But I think he's very suing angry that he's media. not being given the attention. Yeah, he's angry he's not being given the attention. He he's deserves. angry he hasn't been like invited onto Trash Future. <laughs> I just I like the idea of. of Again, if you take a relatively strict definition of the word media, it's just the plural of medium. So it means just he's just he's just suing the concept of something being via another. Oh my thing. god, he's suing Derek Akora. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know, I don't know who his lawyers are, but they must be making a lot of money. <laughs> no, I could know. Um, it's Tommy Robinson. The only lawyer he could afford is Lionel Hutz. <laughs> He's, oh, I'm sure. I don't use the word hero lightly, Mr. Robinson. But you are the greatest hero in British history. <laughs> I mean, that sounds like a pretty legit lawyer for one of these guys that represents like right-wing chuds. Well, it's because they never Sorry. they never have any money, so they can only get the lawyer that was like you know kicked out of um, kicked out of law school for you know drawing up like rearranging all of the law textbooks into a swastika. <laughs> like they they can never get a lawyer who actually finished law school. Like they they're always variously disgraced. You know, it's it's just like Michael Cohen, right? Like you know, <laughs> Michael Cohen um, like famously sent a, a, a tried to send a that threatening could, letter to the Onion. That could believably be. That could believably be like a Steven Seagal book, The Law of the Swastika. Well, it's like, like um, Michael Cohen tried to send a cease and desist letter to The Onion about uh, some of their Donald Trump coverage in 2013. <laughs> Did you see at the oh, just wow. like on Steven Seagal news because like it's an important feature of the show about how the Royal Reading like all the all the kids were dressed in Steven Seagal outfits. What an A-frame leather jacket and an office chair. No, you know, like his weird um Milo, you know more about this. Like what's Oh yeah, his weird like Asian his weird like Asian get-ups with like the Chinese, the Chinese buttons and shit. Yeah. Yeah, it looked it looked very Steven Seagal-esque. It was the first thing I thought of, and I don't know, like <laughs> I don't know what that says about me yeah, or like how yeah, long Prince, I've been Prince on this. Prince George. That you um, see Steven Seagal. Ever. I mean, I was just excited <laughs> that uh, to, to see the dramatic kidnapping of Meghan Markle followed by Prince Harry putting on shooting glasses and being like it's time to get invincible. Yeah. 
It's time for Prince George to protect Moldova from the uh, Albanians. And welcome back again to this uh, edition of Trash Future, the podcast about how, if we do not implement fully automated luxury gay space communism, the fi- you ah shit, I fucked it up again. I Maybe fucked- just like simplify, simplify. No, the I intro. will not fuck it. I have done the same intro for a year. I've gotten it right twice. The last two times we've recorded, <laughs> and we will not dumb down. I will not change the intro. The intro is set. It's a smart podcast about come. I might get tongue surgery. I will not change the intro. <laughs> um, I am uh, I'm joined today by the usual cast and crew uh, sitting on my left and back in Russia in the bowl. Hell yeah, it's me, Milo Edwards. Uh, I am currently in St. Petersburg at possibly the most terrible comedy festival ever devised by man's perverse inhumanity to man. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Milo underscore Edwards uh, if you want to read my bad jokes. Uh, it's the same Kizvani. I'm back. I haven't been on. I wasn't on for the last show. You, you weren't you weren't on for Wonk Future Danger uh, Wonk Danger Wonk, but I am back now. Uh, I had to explain to one of the guys I work with what Trash Future was today, and you could see in real time how they just became more and more confused uh-huh. the more you try to explain it. Uh, follow me on Twitter. You know the you know the handle. Do the ads. Uh, yeah, send 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 me stuff. I need material. And sitting in with us today. Hi. <laughs> Sitting in with us today is Shirin Kale. Uh, you can follow her at the Dalston Years on Twitter, and she is variously journalized across many different outlets. And recently, has been writing about the repeal the Eighth Amendment, um, I movement in Ireland. Uh, yeah, hi, this is me. I write a lot of content for the internet, and I also write a lot about Irish reproductive rights. I'm not Irish. I should probably emphasize that. But I have been reporting and editing and talking to a lot of people on this issue for a really long time. And the referendum's being held this Friday. And frankly, I'm shitting my pants, to be honest with you. <laughs> I'm really nervous, but I hope it will go the way we want, which is... I which is, you yeah. have the right to shit your pants. <laughs> we'll get into that in a moment. Uh, this is going to be a bit of a, a bit of a quick hit of an episode because I have to, I have a, I have a dinner uh, to go to, but we need, we wanted to get this out. Um, we want, we're, we're going to get to that very shortly, but before we do, I wanted to um, contend with an article that has traveled from, I think, 2014 to my inbox uh, from the Times of London. I can only, not the New York Times, the, the Us Times. I can only imagine um, that there was just some incredible city, la- uh, city? There was some incredible lag uh, and between it being published and me reading it because once again, um, we are talking about uh, the dapper fascists, or as I've started calling them, the NILFs. The Nazis I'd like to fuck. I don't think they're that fuckable, though. They're just Nazis that don't dress like complete shit. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. like, I'm looking at the picture of them right yes. now. They're just they're quite non-core. I don't think there's anything particularly hipster about them. I mean, Which maybe. one is the most good looking? I would say, okay, wait. From, from a sex podcaster perspective. Yeah, okay, no, I do actually do a sex Rudolf podcast. Rudolf Hess. I'd say the most good looking one is maybe like second from right, but only because he's the tallest. Uh-huh. Yeah. 
So he's the most genetically superior, of course. Yeah, which I guess he would get on board with because he's a Nazi, oh, yeah. so he'll probably have those ideas about, <laughs> <laughs> about racial superiority. Yeah, I'd go for him. If I had to get with one of those Nazis, I'd go with him. Mm-hmm. So this, the, the, the title of this article... The title of this article is The Hipster Fascist um, Who Anti-Racism Campaigners Say Are Breathing Life Into the New Far Right. And I think one of the reasons I think this this article comes from a different time is that in 2016, I think it was 16, we all met dapper fascist Richard Spencer with his like ill-fitting dad suits and, you know, his his extraordinarily uh, uh, punched face. and 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 with sort of the, the and the whole trope of oh my goodness these white supre- well ah oh well blow me down these white supremacists aren't wearing like one strap down overalls and straw hats while chewing on another piece of straw at all they are not some kind of country bumpkin they seem like regular people I'm gonna make a complaint about this as this as soon as the wallet inspector gets back with my wallet and of course I I can recover from my injury having fallen off the back of the turnip truck. Those are some American sayings. Um, but we, we, the, the article says a, a 23-year-old city banker leaves a movement of young hipster fascists, etc., etc., middle class and well-spoken, dressed in skinny jeans and New Balance trainers rather than bomber jackets and boots, members of this group, Generation Identity, I don't know why I did air quotes, this is an audio medium, are accused of using slick branding and coded language to normalize extreme views. Now, again... This, it's the article sort of does have a bit of window dre- the, uh, window dressing as mainstream journalism often does of ah oh, yes look what they're being accused of but really I mean it, the, what they're trying to do is just you know so you can be agape that these guys aren't hicks. Everyone's been ticking off about this article on Twitter because they're saying it humanizes fascists, which is kind of dumb because fascists are actually people. But what I think is kind of interesting about this article is that this uh, the guy involves actually being fired from his job. So, <laughs> yeah, I find that out today, actually, from someone. So, um, yeah, I guess maybe if you're a fascist, you shouldn't give a really self-congratulatory interview about how you managed to combine fascism with having a really full-time demanding city job because, <laughs> unsurprisingly... It's, it's, it's a hard-knock life. Yeah. You know? Well, it's the... Um, <laughs> being racist and also having... Now he's going to have to get a Patreon. <laughs> being racist and somehow still holding down a job, it's hard work. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like a work-life balancing, I guess, you know? <laughs> like, it's a difficult thing to do. Where do you find the time? <laughs> it's, it's really hard, actually, to, like, use Microsoft Excel when you're looking through the eye holes, <laughs> like, the sort of white so, bedsheet, tall, pointy hat. The, um, what, what I mean, what, what I, but I think it's, it's true, right? Like, yes, they are, like, like them or not, they are human, even though they do have to be fought and probably can't be understood into quiescence. You know, it's um, listening to them doesn't really do much. But at the same time, I think just being shocked that they're middle class is basically just obscure, is sort of, is just obfuscating what fascism tries to do. You know, it's that it is a middle class movement. It's a movement that protects, that protects sort of certain holders of capital. You know, it's, it's a movement that tries to organize the working class around a kind of ethnic identity or a, or a race identity but it still ultimately is a middle-class movement. So it should come to no surprise um, that sort of well-educated or, or well-paid or, well, or people who come from money or privilege or whatever are going to be fascist because who benefits is 
well, them. Yeah, and also I feel, I feel like it's kind of dumb about this article as well is also the fact that they've kind of missed the point here, which is not like how they dress, but how slick their branding is and the fact that they even have a presence here. Because Generation Identity is originally a European movement and now that it's come to the UK, that is kind of concerning because although they pretend like they're super chilled, like lovely fascists with great footwear and they order shopping glitters and shit, like, they do actually want like an ethno-nationalist state, which does scare the shit out of me personally. Reconquista specifically. Uh, they, they spe- but it's, it's, they, they specifically want to, uh, re- to reconquer Europe and you know, really try to uh, um, create a... He, he wants a reconquista of Europe and he wants to link up a with... A Reich that will last for a thousand years. He wants to link up with sympathetic individuals within political parties to take out of the shadows some of these ideas about the Great Replacement... Um, and it's vital that you get normal, respectable people confronting this publicly and not privately. Um, Dupre, this guy, claimed to disavow racism but said everyone's told to believe people are equal, but the whole way people live their lives proves that's not true. It's sort of, I mean, I was looking into, when the story came out on Sunday, I was looking into some of like their YouTube stuff. And the YouTube stuff is like, you know, these three-hour Google Hangouts where they kind of just like recycling the thing that I found interesting was that all the arguments that they make, like we've heard before, there's nothing kind of new about them, which made the whole line of, you know, breathing new life into the far right, like sort of, it was a weird line to take because it was always there. And all you now have is like a new generation of like mid 20s something kids who, not even kids, like mid 20s like men who are making, who are like making these sorts of arguments. And the difference is that, you know, rather than kind of wearing tweed jackets, they're wearing slim cut jeans that they've got from Gap, you know, New Balance trainers, which, you know, mid, you know, if they were wearing, you know. If they were wearing Yeezys, then I'd listen to them. <laughs> no, because Yeezys is a fast uh-huh. shoe now as well. No, um, Kanye now is retweeting Adam Curtis videos. Kanye's cool again. <sighs> so, oh, I age every time I hear about <laughs> internet stuff. But if he was wearing, you know, like Nike Dunks or something, you know, I'd be like, okay, yeah, maybe they've, maybe, maybe they've got a point, right? <laughs> um, you know, outside, the, you know, if they, if they were talking about palace drops, yeah, maybe, but, you know, they're not. They're going, they're doing what we all do. They go, you know, they go to Stratford, they look for the stuff on discount, and they wear clothes. There's nothing that remarkable about it. Yeah, let's leave it to the socialists to wear, to wear palace, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, are you netting me because I'm wearing palace? I actually wear quite a bit of palettes. Oh, I'm just I'm not really, wearing any today. Right, right now. <laughs> Hell yes. <It's> like that. <laughs> but, it, but your stuff is like legit, right? It's not like from like random, like, you know, vendors in Hackney Market. No. Yeah. yeah. I didn't queue up for this one personally. Unfortunately. Yeah. Reselling. Reselling is yeah. the way to go. I had a teenager who was trying to resell stuff to me. I'm not sure what, like how legit he was. Oh, almost certainly. They're um, the only ones at the time to queue. But he's like, <laughs> he's like one of my cousin's friends, right? And... We don't know each other. He lives like somewhere in Nottingham and he just like messages me on DMs. And he's just like, yo, I've got some stuff. And I was like, what stuff are you talking about? I was like, I heard that you're into like, you know, I heard that, you know, you want, you want to cop some, cop some merch. I was like, what, what merch are you talking about? Hezbollah merch. And he just like sends me a link to his like, it's not Depop. It's another website that looks like Depop. Like it's just Grail. Something like yeah. that. And it's just got like all this stuff. And I'm just like, you're 16 years old. How the fuck are you trying to sell me hoodies for like 200 pounds? Like. He probably earns more than all three of us yeah. combined. Yeah. yeah. And this is like, there was, I read articles like all the time, which are like, this is these teens that are making like a shit ton of money doing that. That's why they're, and the thing is that that's why they don't have that, that economic precarity that's pushing them into fascism. That's why hype beasts aren't fascist. <laughs> yeah. 
Self-serving. No, they're Tories. Remember that Vice video? There was that Vice. Uh, you you must know the Vice video where like, I don't know if Alan like goes outside. Oh the God, yes, the hype beast and, and their like political opinion. No, he goes to like Supreme Drop. He's like interviewing a bunch of these kids outside of Supreme, and one of them is basically saying how like he's a Tory. Yeah, well, they're small business owners, aren't they? <laughs> I don't I don't doubt that they're all secretly Tories. <laughs> to be fair, anytime anytime I sort of dress like more of a hype beast i am sort of keenly aware that i'm dressing like a 16 year old from hampshire yeah it's actually fundamentally tragic i have to say like i put this t-shirt on this morning and i know that i'm a tragedy but it's just like nothing else is clean and it's david cameron definitely owns at least one item of supreme clothing yeah you know initially you initially feel very shameful about wearing clothes from m&s but eventually just grows on you and then you put on a pair of new balances and you whiten europe (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the thing is, I, I personally am now just having a great deal of fun imagine, imagining a hype beast fascist. I feel like it's the logical next step. I can see the Sunday Times article. Maybe I'll pitch it myself. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's not, it's not entirely, it's not entirely unfeasible. Like you know, and you must know about this as well. But like you know, in these kind of circ, you know, there is like a strain of like social conservatism that does exist in like these strains of like you know streetwear hip-hop culture at least in the u.s anyway like um you know so like there's a podcast called no jumper where they've got a lot of people who kind of very openly say that they're against like you know that they're against like social justice and they don't think that like feminism you know they cause feminism causes damage and stuff and these are guys who like you know they're wearing they're wearing like brands that i don't even like i don't even know about that are like huge in la and everything and they're huge on the hip-hop scene and you know um, you know that strain that strain does exist and it does make sense that it would extend that far I think the question this is like obviously a ridiculous article because it's really just like a middle-aged journalist who's just like oh new balances they must be like the hip thing that all the young all, all the youngsters are wearing um, you know so it's comedic in that sense and I remember like all the kind of right-wing YouTube personalities we're always just like conservatism is a new counterculture and like youth culture is encompassed by all that. But they're also like these middle-aged men that have no idea like what this is about. So really what you need is like the right sort of spokesperson, the one who like knows about, you know, fashion, who knows about like, you know, streetwear drops and stuff, but also is very well-versed in race science. Did you read that Spectator article about cocaine? Oh, yeah, yeah, so yeah. so fucking funny. It yeah. reminds me of this piece. It was... It's, it's so funny that like the spectator article yeah. about cocaine. It reminds me of this piece because it's clearly written by an old person that has yeah. no, no handle on youth culture. See, I reckon if you want to make like a load of money, right? You basically just need to find that intersection between conservative, like conservative, like bullshit conservative takes and slight knowledge of like Supreme and Palace, and you can get yourself like a spectator column just like that. Also, with an ability to clearly fictionalize the opening paragraphs of articles, because <laughs> oh yeah, you can make up whatever encounter you want. Yeah, absolutely. Who goes, who goes to Shoreditch to buy cocaine? I don't, exactly. I don't. And there's a scene like the, like the queue out of the club was winding. People looked twitchy and were sniffing their noses. It's like that did not happen. Yeah, you you have never ventured east of I'm gonna guess Notting Hill. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. He like just made up that whole encounter. Yeah. Oh, of course. But the, who 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 reads the Spectator other than everyone who writes the Spectator would really be able to tell. <laughs> well, look, you know, we're still waiting for our garden party tickets, right? So Fraser Nelson, if you're listening to this, Fraser well, Nelson, if you're listening, please come on. <laughs> anyway, anyway, yes. Uh, look, this. Uh, this, the point is, this article is stupid because we've been making, it seems like we've been making this point for the last several years 
and young people who aren't dressed in actual SS uniforms or like they're the extras in the movie Deliverance are still finding fascism, which suggests to me that listening to them and giving them soft focus profiles and mainstream media outlets hasn't really fixed the problem. So maybe we should look at something else. So skinny jeans are not slim cut jeans. Yeah, different. None Di- of them two different things. are wearing skinny jeans. That's true. That's an important distinction. It is very important. Yeah, nope. That's uh, I we need to see F- the young the young fascists on Bake Off making fascist cakes. Uh, no, so that it's just like Gamergate: ethics and fashion journalism. I feel like some members of the royal family look more fascist than those actual fascists. A lot of them, well, yeah. The Page Boys. I thought that was really fashy. Those outfits. You know what? Steven Seagal. The Steven Seagal. Yeah, ones. I thought they were extremely fascist. Oh yeah. That was my first thought. Oh yeah, they were like they were very you know if. And when this country does descend to some form of like neo-fascism, those will be the uniforms of the good boys. Moving on to the, um, I guess you could say the, the, the meat of the program, now that we've, uh, we've engaged with our stupid article of the day. Uh, there are just so many. There's so many stupid articles in very little time. We didn't even get to do the uh, Grimes becoming an anti-union reactionary, but I'm sure you've all heard about that. Um, <clears throat> we're now going to move on to... Uh, across the Irish Sea. So I'm going to say, uh, Shirin, what is your relationship to the uh, whole abortion debate across the Irish Sea? Yeah, so what I would say is uh, me personally, obviously I'm not Irish. I'm a journalist. I specialize in reporting on women's rights and I've been reporting on um, Irish abortion laws for the best part of the last three years. Um, in the course of that time, I have interviewed and uh, spoken to loads of activists from both sides of the de- both sides of the debate, actually. Um, and what I would say is that this week is pretty much the biggest week for Irish women in the last two decades, something like that. So, if you don't know about what's going on this week, what you probably should know is that on Friday, Ireland will vote to on whether or not it wants to repeal the Eighth Amendment. So. The Eighth Amendment is the amendment to the Constitution which specifically forbids abortion in basically all circumstances. You can have an abortion in uh, if, it, if there's a direct threat to the mother's life, but as the case of Savita Halapanava in, I think, it was a couple of years ago, I can't tell you exactly, maybe 2012 showed, even in uh, her case, she died as a result of not being able to access abortion. And so, What was her case? So um, Savita's case was really horrible. So Savita was um, admitted to hospital with complications from her pregnancy. Um, She had sepsis and she requested an abortion, but the doctors were unable to perform one because the Eighth Amendment uh, forbids abortion in all circumstances apart from when there's a direct threat to the mother's life. At that point, there was not a direct threat to her life, but there subsequently became a direct threat to her life because sepsis set in. And by the time they were legally able to have the justification to perform the abortion, it was too late, so she died. And this this is happening in a first world industrialized nation. So it's just really abhorrent. Um, so yeah, so what's happening on Friday is that Ireland is going to be voting on whether or not to repeal this Eighth Amendment. And if they vote yes, that they want to repeal it, then uh, the Irish Parliament will in, in look at voting on legislation which would allow abortion on demand for up to 12 weeks. After 12 weeks, and what would happen would be that uh, you would have to have two doctors sign off that you, uh, you, you can have the abortion because there's a threat to your physical health or mental health. Um, and that would be up to the point of viability, which is normally about 24 weeks. 
So that's basically what the law is and what the referendum's on. And it's kind of a really big deal because Ireland has some of the most restrictive abortion laws in the entire world. Um, a lot of people don't realise that you can't get an abortion in Ireland. And as a result, Irish women have to fly to the UK for treatment to have abortions. Um, that's not illegal. They are allowed to do that, but they have to pay for it themselves, which is obviously really fucked up because it entrenches social inequality. There was a referendum on whether or not women should be able to travel in the 90s. And no one, no one opposed that at the time, as I, as I know, um, which is kind of fucked up really when you think about it, because you think that if uh, anti-choicers would want to save as many lives as possible, then they would also want to prevent women from leaving the country for abortions. But they seem to have the view that it's okay as long as it's not happening under their own roof. Well, it's the, uh, it's, it's, it's the Pope, right? The Pope doesn't, the or one Pope at one point really, really didn't want it. This Pope seems to be, seems to be sort of coming at us with curveballs every day. Who knows what he's going to do next? Yeah. He's the wacky Pope. Um, but, and so, but so the, the Pope says in, Coke Zero is better. Deal with it. <laughs> so, so this, so this, 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 this Eighth Amendment has been around for a while and has been sort of just preventing abortions from happening in Ireland, but it hasn't prevented women from leaving to get abortions, even though, of course, they then have to um have to pay for it so what are i mean i think we know like some of the common sort of stories you get from you know people who are sort of anti-choice is they'll say oh well the um we're actually pro-life uh we're and we actually we and so you and again so i'm i see this happening in america quite a bit where they'll say oh um why, if you, you say you're against, um, against, you know, genocide or whatever, but you support Planned Parenthood, which kills over you know, millions of African-American women a year. Yes. So, okay. Anti-choices, I prefer not to call them pro-lifers. Because in, sure, my, yeah. in my opinion, I feel like they're kind of pro-birth, but they don't really give a fuck what happens to you once you actually have the child. They have this whole view and it's of equivalence. So under the Irish uh, constitution at the moment, a woman's life and a fetus's life are equal. Um, which is actually a real head fart when you think about that, like actually when you think about it. Um, the anti-choice movement would say that they want to love both. That's what they're saying all, in all their, all their messaging. They, they love both the fetus and they love the mother. But I think if you, I really don't feel like there's any way of looking at this as anything other than a human rights issue. And I feel like the people who are um, anti-choice, really what it comes down to is just controlling women and controlling their bodies. For me, that's for me personally, because I think if you sincerely cared about life, you'd care about the lives of those women who are being forced to carry pregnancies that they don't want. You'd care about what will happen to those children when those babies are born that those mothers never wanted to start with. And you'd also look at it in terms of like a humane, compassionate view on why it is that women shouldn't be able to force, be forced to carry children that they don't want. Because I don't think that's a humane or caring or Christian thing to do. Um, and actually, can I talk a little bit about the yeah, woman that I've spoken to? Please. Okay, so this is another thing as well. People people don't really realize quite how deep abortion goes. Like when we were chatting beforehand, you guys were talking to me about how you feel like, um, you know, this is a women's issue, but I feel like it's really important to emphasize that it's not a women's issue. This is an issue that affects everyone. It's a human rights issue. Um, and the reason it's so important that people like recognize that is because almost everyone will actually come into contact with abortion at some point in their lives. Like you have sisters or family members or friends and what Ireland's laws do at the moment is just entrench inequality. So if you can have an abortion, it's normally because you're wealthy, you're able to travel, you're not in an abusive relationship, 
you don't have childcare commitments. It means you can like leave your home and go abroad and get it done. And so if you care about social justice, like if you're the sort of guy who posts Black Lives Matter stuff online or you read The Guardian or you go on protest marches, but you think that abortion is a women's issue and you don't want to get involved in it, that's a real problem. That's a problem, right? Because actually accessing abortion is a fundamental human right for women. And so if you care about equality, care about women's rights, then you should care about abortion. That's my two cents on this. Um, and in terms of what's happening next week, uh, sorry, in terms of what's happening on Friday, so um, the pro-choice uh, side, I think are on like 56% likely to get the Eighth Amendment repealed. But tons of shitty stuff has happened in the last couple of years when it comes to giving people the right to vote on referendums and stuff, right? Like, I think we all remember Brexit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so... Uh, you never know what's going to happen. A lot of people don't want to say that they're pro-life because they're kind of embarrassed about it. And there's also some incidental polling which will suggest that pro-choice men might stay out of the vote because they think it's a women's issue, which means that, again, that lead could narrow further. So, yeah. And on thing like on an extension point of that, that even if the vote does, even if we get a yes vote on Friday, um, as you've kind of mentioned at the beginning, like there's still a lot of work to do, right? Like this doesn't, this, does, this doesn't kind of resolve the problem even at an institutional level. There's still, you know, pro, you know, there's still restrictions when it comes to women getting abortions. And you're completely right in saying that like men do have a really important role to play in this. Um, so what can, what can people do and what specifically can guys do, even if we get a yes vote on Friday, in terms of like advancing you know, this very fundamental human right? Yeah, so I think it's really important to never be complacent about shit. Like in the UK, we have pretty progressive abortion laws, right? Like we have we have abortion pretty much on demand up until uh, 24 weeks. And that's a really good thing. But I think what's really important is just to not view issues, not just like abortion, but women's rights issues. Don't view them as something that is for women to discuss and fight for and preserve and protect. I think that's kind of the problem that I've always encountered, even in my work as a, like a journalist specialising in women's rights, so men are always like, yeah, this is so great, I really support this, but it's always from this perspective of like not wanting to get involved in it, not wanting to go on protest marches, not wanting to write to MPs. I think if you care about equality, then you should care about feminism, and if you care about feminism, then you should actively support it. It's the same as any other sort of social injustice. Well, that's sort of the that's basically the um, <clears throat> that's basically the problem with the liberal or like identitarian approach to these things, right? It's like, oh, stay in your lane, do your thing, and men don't come into our space and talk about our thing because this is our thing. Because ultimately, the liberal identitarian point of view is not about promoting solidarity. It's about being. It's about policing what you do and keeping people in their box. It's about saying, like, "Oh, if a man goes on um, on a on a march to uh, extend abortion rights, then actually what he's doing is coming into women's space and taking over for them and taking their voices." Because I think liberals see politics as kind of a game of Dungeons and Dragons, and it's all just kind of fun. And it's like, hey, let the wizard cast the spells, fighter, when it's not. It's just about securing an outcome for people as opposed to playing particular roles in particular ways. I mean, all of these people, I th that's why I think like liberals are fundamentally nerds who just want more homework and who want to be able to get the right answers in the multiple choice questions. Yeah, I totally agree. And I actually really don't like this whole identitarian space that we're moving towards I really hate it especially if you're a journalist I don't think you need to be 
from a community or from a culture to be able to talk about it the point of journalism is to speak to yeah. people and find out facts and then report those facts and yeah I think it's so important I think we're literally never going to get shit if people stay in their own lanes and never get involved in movements that aren't directly beneficial to them yeah well it's because the um and I want to move on to this a little bit uh the no campaigner believes everything is his lane yes I have been on many anti-choice marches and been to many anti-choice events in my capacity as a reporter not because I support that movement (laughs) (laughs) only once because you supported the movement of course just one time just just by accident it was it was was statistical you know if you go to 20 events statistically you're gonna support one of them (laughs) that's that's logic that's a five percent confidence interval right there let me tell you that the on the anti-choice events that I've been to there are so many guys there and I don't want to be horrible about them but they don't please do they don't look like they're having a lot of sex with females I have to say that and they're not hipster either and so that's where they went wrong we needed to get some new balances (laughs) then they would then they'd be fucking getting it in you know If I eventually manage to get a girl pregnant, she's not getting out of it by having an abortion. We can't take that chance. I can't wait to hear what that was. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Like these guys don't have a problem with talking about abortion. And by talking about abortion, I mean making sure that women can't access abortion. And it's because it's all some fucking weird thought experiment for them like they just like to sit and just philosophize about the equality of lives unborn and born i wonder if you can call what they do philosophizing i mean I, just because they give themselves like um shit what mesopotamian names <laughs> i go on three hour live streams does that really make them philosophers yeah, mm. it's like it's it's like all of these people are all they're they're just the same they're the same fucking jerkwads who are getting together and deciding that, you know, there's a sexual marketplace that's been deregulated and there are a bunch of like, you know, fucking hip socialist podcasters who are also hype beasts who are just getting all the trim and they're, <laughs> and they're not getting any and they're and now they're going to take some kind of revenge. And for them, it's the ballot box. You know, I mean, it's it, to what extent is this just like um, a sort of movement of resent of resentful men trying to reassert control over women? I think I keep coming back to this really incredible uh, piece that I read in the London Review of Books by Sally Rooney, who you probably should have had on this podcast instead of me. I've asked her. She's been sick twice, <laughs> but she 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 does say she did want to come on soon. So okay, yeah. cool. Okay, cool. <laughs> preview, yeah. preview, preview, oh preview. God, we're like yeah, Nigel Figgers conference again. Look, we invited made- women. They weren't available. and she made a really fucking good point on this specific thing which is that um okay so this is her analogy i really want to emphasize it's her analogy and she was talking about how um under irish law in order to take organs out of a dead body that person needs to have signed an organ donor card just in order for you to cut open their cold dead body and take out like a pancreas or something but a woman has no right to choose what goes on in her living warm breathing body so technically under irish law a woman has less rights than a dead body so when you really look at those cold hard facts it's hard to see ireland's abortion laws as anything other than just a way to control women however i would say that i really don't think that the people who are anti-choice actually see it like that i don't think that they have the self-awareness to actually look at the history of christianity and the history of religious oppression of women and all the different ways in which women's bodies are weaponized against them in order to control them I do actually genuinely think that they sincerely believe that it is taking a life and that's 
That's what yeah, I'd say. I mean, there's this because I I've worked in religious spaces and I come from a religious community where it is anti-choice, right? Um, and that's not going to change. Like that's there was there's no compromise on that position. So for people who are pro-choice, um, you know, it takes it takes effort to kind of figure out okay, where because you know we want to change minds, right? Like part of part of kind of getting progress is by changing minds. And there's this big question about how do you like how much power do you actually have to hold in order to do that? And also, can you even do it? It's like one of those really sacred things that people hold. And it's sort of weird in a way because their argument, again, as you said, is like, you know, they prioritize life. So they say that like if anyone's life is in danger when it needn't be, then their life is prioritized over everything else but do they do they really prioritize life though because their prioritization of the of the mother of the mother's life being in danger which would often just result in the fetus being dead too seems they seem to take a very cavalier attitude to what that can be a lot of this stuff comes afterwards as as sheeran said it's like it's you know they don't give a fuck about what happens afterwards so you know even so there's um elizabeth brunig for example is an interesting person that we should invite on Mm. at some point um, <laughs> Welcome to the Trash Future Future <laughs> episode planning cast. Um, and you know she she is you know in our definition of this show she is anti-choice, but she kind of wants to see whether there's a progressive position you could some sort of progressive position you can take on that. And a lot of that comes with okay, well the big problems here are like what happens when a mother gives birth to a child where she didn't want it or she didn't expect it, and for the most of the time that she's just like left on her own and it's kind of left to her own devices. There's very few charities that are helping her out. And those charities that were campaigning so hard for the baby to be born is now nowhere to be found. Mm. Um, and I feel like in t- if you're looking at progress and you're looking at, well, what are like, where are there intersections where you can bring people into at least kind of a more reasonable view when it comes to this? That's where your intersection is. And maybe there needs to be more conversation around those sorts of people. I don't know. Like, yeah, it's I think, really tricky. I think it's all about actually moving away from the whole dehumanizing thought argument, thought logic argument thing and actually just connecting people who've experienced it because I think it's mm. very fucking difficult to listen to someone like Claire Carlin Del Sol who's edited, I edited a piece from this week who had to carry a dead fetus to term. Once, once you've actually listened to someone tell you what that's like, it's incredibly hard to retreat from that, that reality, that like real lived experience. And I think that, you know, you can also, I have family members who are religious, they're Muslims and, and they support abortion because they, they believe that a woman should still be able to choose, although they would not, because that's what it's about, right? Choice It's about choosing what you want. Like you can be pro-choice and think that abortion is murder. Mm. Like that's totally okay. But it just means that it's your, it's your view on abortion. Someone else can have the choice Mm. to, do it or not, you know, like what's right for you is not right for another person. A lot of people would recognize and accept that. Yeah. And my final thing on this is that um, I've always been really like kind of annoyed by the fact that all these pro, pro-lifers or anti-choices or whatever the fuck you want to call them, they never seem to give a shit about miscarriages, right? So like one third of pregnancies end in miscarriage. Those are human lives too. And they never, ever donate they any make money. They into weird posters. Do they? Yeah. They, I've seen like lots of very weird miscarriage posts. Like, so... Okay, so I'm going to talk about another weird kind of subculture. I look at Instagram, but like, there's this weird kind of like anti-choice, and you you must have seen it as well, like the anti-choice stuff on Instagram, which is often done by like weird kind of evangelical zealots based in the U.S. and they refer to miscarriages as like 
you know, young angels and stuff like that. And like the art they make is really, is really bizarre. It sort of reminds me oh, of like- Young these Angel's guys one of my favorite SoundCloud rappers. <laughs> they kind of fashion themselves as like, you know, those like business motivation people that make their own motivational posters and it's really badly photoshopped. Oh, so it's, it's like a, it's like a sort of creepy millenarian Jay Shetty. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's like probably the best way of putting it. They're really, they're really, really bizarre. And like they, you can see when, even like when you look at like American anti, you know, uh, anti-abortion like uh, demonstrations and stuff and they're holding up those posters, a lot of those pictures will be repurposed. So it's really bizarre. Like I saw one picture of something that was supposed to be like a terminated thesis on a poster in, out, you know, one of the West Bar- Westboro Baptist Church ones. And then you see that exact image on an Instagram page, which is, oh, it's a miscarriage and it's a little angel that's gone to heaven. It's just like, it's absolutely bizarre. Um, so they care about it in a very cynical sense, which I guess is just like feeding into. So I uh, actually, I think that's unfortunately, that's actually all we've got time for on this quick fire, quick shot episode of uh, Trash Future. We, there's a lot left to cover on sort of discussing um, pro-choice advocacy there's a lot of U.S. foreign policy ground to cover. There is even there is even like the sort of rumblings of trying to roll back existing rights to cover. But I think today it was very important that we focused on Ireland and that we say to everyone who listens to us who's in Ireland or who knows people in Ireland, get them the fuck out to vote, especially if they're a fucking man. Go vote, man. Vote. Vote right too. Don't fucking vote wrong. If you're gonna vote no, yeah, we then, know we know where this has gone before. Uh-huh. Right? If you're gonna vote no, then march into the sea and vote there. If you're gonna vote yes, then go vote and tell all your friends to vote. And if if you meet any man who says that he doesn't think it's his place to vote because he's a good liberal and doesn't want to impinge on women's issues, flick him in the nuts and then tell him to vote. Uh, but the Trash Future podcast is going to pay to have uh, we spend three hundred and fifty million pounds a week on living fetuses on the side of a bus and drive it around Ireland. So that should hopefully do the trick. <laughs> Sheeran, Sheeran, any final thoughts? No, I, I'm, I'm good. This is going out before the referendum, yeah. right? Oh yeah, you should definitely yeah. vote, guys. Um, where can we find your work and where can we find all the stuff uh, you've been publishing? Um, just follow me on Twitter. It's at the Dawson Years. I'm often to be found there tweeting away. As are we all, because I, I'm pretty sure at some point I, um, I pissed off an old witch uh, who cursed me forever. <laughs> Who said, all of your thoughts shall be posted. <laughs> Have a private thought never again, my sweetie. Anyway. Okay, are we out? Yeah, we're out. Right. Later. Thanks. Thanks.